Dave Wardson, our Truth Encounter teacher, has been discussing with us about how to keep the spiritual center of our being healthy. We all worry about whether or not we're getting the right information to our kids, yet we need to be asking whether or not we are maintaining the intimacy factors necessary to ensure a good relationship with our children and with our marriage partners. It needs to be a real internal thing, not just a canned talk thing. Dave? We tend to deal with strangers with a lot more courtesy than we do with our own family. You see, it's so easy for us to turn off the intimacy factors, eye contact, listening with big ears, putting down what we're doing when someone talks to us, going out to eat individually. Think about the friendships that you have. In fact, friendship is a hard thing for us to negotiate. But one thing about friendship, if you never spend any time with a friend, they're not really that close anymore. You'll still call yourself friends, but you'll have to get back to spending time together in order to get close again. And by the way, as we grow older, the intimacy factors become less and less because we get more and more involved in making life run, in doing the mechanics of material things. And your job is challenging you just like my job is challenging me. And all the responsibilities of life, everybody's hanging their coat on you. And what I'm just telling you, we need to be careful that in the midst of all this rush, we don't let our family go by. Because every one of you that has grown kids will turn around and say, where did it all go? You see, my family's real interesting because it's like two levels. So it's like I go back and forth and, 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 you, and you can look at this. I remember, and all of you, a lot of you that are adults would go, Shh, boy, I remember when Jonathan was born. Well, he wasn't just born yesterday. And it's too quick, it's too fast to let the time go by. And that's what this wise father is doing. In an unbelievable, skillful move in life, this dad didn't let the childhood years disappear without developing relationship. And mom and dad, those of you that have gray hairs and you're getting older, one of the most precious privileges as you grow older will be to have a son or a daughter that's your close friend. You know, my sister, you know, went through Dobson's material preparing for adolescence, and she's in a very difficult task. Her husband split on her because of a moral problem, so she had to raise two kids all by herself. And she got all ready for this. You know, her older daughter, Tammy, was getting ready for adolescence. And boy, she was bracing herself for this agonizing period, you know, reading all this book. She told me, you know, those are the greatest years I've ever had. Boy, my daughter grew into a woman. And we were able to talk about so many things. We were able to work through so many things. And the intimacy that God has given us. Sure, it's been hard. But Tammy loves the Lord Jesus out of a very difficult family situation. What I want you to realize is that teenagers can become very intimate with you. But they're not going to be if you don't have time when they're speaking baby talk. You see, what happens is, like I've shared with you in the past, and I want to underline it in your thinking again because this is what this text is talking about. If you don't have any time when they're two, if you don't have any time when they're five, if you don't have any time when they're 11, if you don't have any time when they're 12, then they're not going to have any time when they're 14. Because when they're 14, their inner concept gets strong enough 
and developed enough for them to realize my dad doesn't really like me. And dad, you need to be very serious about this because you don't automatically like your kids. I don't. You don't automatically want to be friends with your kids. And that's the tragedy. I work with a lot of kids. The bottom line is their parents really don't like them. Oh, that tears a kid apart. And oh, how we need to have some brokenness over that. That's the, I think that's the ultimate expression of the old nature for a daddy or a mom not to really be a friend and devoted to their kids. And the issue is not, oh, yeah, I'd be willing to give my life for them. The issue is, do we do the little things, the time, the answering questions together, day by day? Because that's where you communicate values. Now, what are some of the values that begin to develop? When you move into adolescence, there's two big things that become really important, sex and money. Proverbs is pretty honest. As you grow in adolescence, your sexual organs begin to really develop, so sex becomes more important. You realize there's not just males in the world, not just females. You got both, and you become very interested in it, and it's a very powerful force. If you handle the force wrongly of sex, you can wipe out your whole life, and we've been talking just the last several weeks on that. If you missed it, be sure to get this summary of what the book of Proverbs is talking about with sexuality. It's saying it's a very beautiful thing when you use it the way God wants you to use it, but it's not a beautiful thing when you use it against God's principles. Second of all, you get real interested in money. When you get to be a teenager, you want to get a job. You want to earn money. When you get to be 16, you want to buy a car. In fact, probably when you're 15, so you'll be all ready when you get your license. You want to have a car. So money and sex becomes very, very important. And they become two very powerful drives that are inside of a young person. Now, what do mom and dad do? Well, one thing, that's very hard to negotiate, that difference. You know, it's not that hard to deal with your two-year-old. But man alive, suddenly, when your two-year-old walks into your house and you see them walk by you, and they're taller than you, because they've now become 14, that's hard on you. First of all, you go back and you look in the mirror, and man, you got gray hair. And that bothers you, you know? It's just hard to negotiate. You go, man, this can't be happening to me. So what do we do then? We get shook about it. You know, man alive, my kid's getting interested in girls, or, and you know, my, my daughter's getting interested in guys. Now. Man alive, this can't be happening. Let's stop time and go back. And then also, man, these kids are always talking about money. Man, money, 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 money. Everything costs money. They want to go do this. They want to do this. Man, I'm just a big money bag. They're really interested in money. So we, these two things become real pressures in our family. Now, what does the wise father and mother in Proverbs do about this drive for money, this drive for sex? Well, first of all, the father and mother come to grips with it and realize, hey, this is part of reality. But they also start going for the jugular with their son and daughter, saying, hey, son and daughter, there's a higher value than sex and money. The world runs on sex and money. A lot of Midlothian runs on sex and money. A lot of Waxahachie does. Not a town in the country that doesn't really run on sex and money. So if you're, if you're looking around saying, man, this whole world is interested in sex and money, you're right. But the next question is, you know, knowing that is reality is not going to tell you whether or not it's really a skillful way to live. What you need to start getting your young people to start thinking about, can you build a lifetime on sex and money? Can you go 70 years on sex and money alone? And don't think that teenagers don't ever care about the future. I think they do. I think a lot of what we read about teenagers isn't true. The, the teenagers that I deal with, 
There's a lot of times they're interested in going the long haul. They want to find out about life. A lot of times what they're upset about is that no one wants to spend the time to really talk straight to them. They get embarrassed or they ignore it or they move on to something else. This father and mother says, hey, son and daughter, you're going to start really being interested in sex. You're going to want to make money. But I want to talk to you. I want you to think about values. And we illustrate these values in our life as we live day by day. And so what the father does, he uses the drive for sexuality, first of all, or for money. And says, son, I want you to pour that drive into a higher value. Look what he says. Verse 4. Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commandments and you will live. Now here it is. First of all, the drive from money. Purchase wisdom. Get understanding. The ability to make wise choices. Don't forget my words or swerve from them. Verse 5, the word acquire wisdom. And the Hebrew uses this phrase twice. The very first thing is to get wisdom. Wisdom is supreme. Verse 7 writes, Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all that you have, get understanding. Now, you don't notice it that much in your translation, but it's using the, the, the figure of buying something. It's using a materialistic idea. You really want to purchase something. And what the father is saying, you know that drive you got for money? You know that the drive you got to make some money so you can buy that car? Do you have that same kind of drive for spiritual values? Do you have that same kind of a drive to know how to live wisely? That's what the father is saying. He's saying, son, you know that drive that is deeply embedded in all of us to want to make the buck? Son, there's a higher value. There's something that's got a bigger price tag on it. In fact, what the father will do is say, son, the reason this price tag is so much higher is that if you really have wisdom, if you really learn how to live skillfully, you'll probably end up getting money. And you'll know how to use it wisely. You know, son, you think that the greatest thing that could happen to your daughter is to win the million-dollar question and have a million dollars plopped in your lap. And man, we can dream how marvelous that would be. But it isn't so marvelous. There's a good chance a million dollars would ruin a whole bunch of us. We couldn't handle it. Because money's not the supreme value. In fact, money without character. The mafia's got money. The drug industry has money. You want to have their money? You think it's brought real meaning into life? No, it's a world of violence and cruelty and death. Money's not the supreme value. Wisdom is skillful living. And the father says, son, you're going to have a drive to make money. But you need to pour out your heart to become wise. You know, I remember when I was a junior in high school, I, I really got involved in the life of Daniel. And this is where this idea of acquire wisdom became. Two stories really meant a lot to me when I was in my junior year in high school. One was the story of Daniel, and the other was the story of Solomon, who's the primary author of this book. And both of those stories intrigued me. One was the commonality. Both of them had all of materialism offered to them. The Lord said to Solomon, Solomon, he became king. The Lord said, Solomon, anything you want, riches, wealth, anything you want, just ask me, I'll give it to you. And then Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel, as a 14-year-old, the same kind of an offer. He said, Daniel, anything you want in Babylon, just do what I tell you to do, and I'll give you all the money you want. I'll make you a really a powerful leader. And these two men were faced with a choice, a choice which I really never had to make. 
Because nobody ever came to me and says, Dave, you do what I tell you, I'll give you a million dollar check. But these guys had that kind of an option. And both of them made a very significant choice. Both of these men got down their knees and said, Solomon said this, Lord, what I really need is wisdom. I need the ability to have discernment as to what is right and what is wrong. I need insight into people. Lord, I've got the responsibility as your administrator to rule over these people. Give me wisdom. And the Lord did. Solomon didn't live it very wisely, but he did have it in his head. Daniel not only had it in his head, but had it in his heart, because Daniel in Daniel 1.6 purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And I did kind of a crazy thing, but I don't think it's crazy at all. I think the Lord touches our life at times like this. In my junior year in high school, I got down on my knees all by myself. I put my hand on the floor and I put my face down. I said, Lord, I want you to give me wisdom. I want you to help me to make the right choices in life. I want you to teach me how to live skillfully, like Daniel. I don't want to blow this thing called life. You know, I think the Lord really honored that. I think he guided me in relationships. I think he guided me in college. I think he guided me in my vocation. And I covet that for every one of you. I really do. But I want you to understand something. God is personal. And what this Proverbs is saying is you need to want it. You see, some of the young people don't. You don't really want skillfulness. Your mom and dad make you come here to church. They make you come and you don't really want to and I understand that it's easy to feel that way when you're young what I want to challenge you to do is get alone by yourself and ask yourself where are you going because this thing is not just about church this thing is not just about religion this thing is about reality the reality of choices you will make and the truth of the matter is we got a whole lot of young people that sat right where you're sitting this morning and they sat here for years right where you're sitting and they didn't live wisely. They really messed things up and God can forgive. And oh, I love the fact that God loves to patch Humpty Dumpty back together again. But I want to challenge you. It's much better not to jump off the wall. We've got some other young people that grew up from the time they were little tiny kids in our church and they've lived wisely. They've gone out there. Some of them have already had children of their own. And some of our young people have grown up to live wisely. And I want to challenge you, think about the difference. There's a difference between running with a crowd that takes drugs, partying all Friday night, Saturday night, sleeping it off Sunday. There's a difference. There is a difference. There's a difference just living for the buck, buying that new truck. There is a difference. Another young person is concerned about wisdom. It's concerned about living skillfully. And they discipline their lives. And they've been able to develop their talents. And the father is saying, son, daughter, you need to fall in love with wisdom. And that's the figure of you that just like you have a desire to make money, you need to have a more preeminent desire to become wise. Second of all, you've got a real strong sex drive. We need to fall in love with wisdom. Look what he says here. Don't forsake wisdom, verse 6, and she will protect you. Love her, she'll watch over you. You know what it's talking about, young people, in this verse? Who are you going to fall in love with? I'm going to tell every one of you young people who you're going to fall in love with. Mom and dad, I'll tell you who your young people will fall in love with. They'll fall in love 
with the ideal of their heart. You guys, you get to be 12 years old, you start looking at different magazines, you know, the kind of magazines you have to look at kind of crosswise because you don't want the shopkeeper to see you. And you look at those beautiful layouts. That's the kind of a woman you're going to fall in love with. You say, oh, no, yes, you will. That's the woman you'll fall in love with. In fact, you might marry somebody totally different than that, but you won't really love her, and you'll tear her guts out. Because you'll love with your heart what the ideal of your heart is. And I want you to think really hard about that. Do you really want a wife who will take off her clothes in front of, any, um, in front of cameras where millions of people will see that? Is that really what you want, young man? When I talk to you like that, you go, oh, no, no, I wouldn't. But you'll fall in love with what your ideal is. You know, some of you parents say, oh, my kid got in the wrong crowd. Baloney, they didn't get in the wrong crowd. You parents will tell me, oh, man, my kid just got in with the wrong crowd, and that's what ruined their life. They got in the wrong crowd because the wrong was in their heart. That's why I get in the wrong crowd. That's always why we get in the wrong crowd. You see, our kids will follow their heart. And that's the agony of being a parent, because we really can't control where our kids' hearts go. We can be close to them, we can try to communicate truth to them, but they're a personality too. That's hard, isn't it, as parents? But it doesn't change this reality. You'll follow who you're really in love with. And in order to get turned around, you need to come to the place where you admit what's really going on in your heart. See, as long as we cover up, as long as we say, oh, it's not really my fault, it's their fault. The reason I get involved in that wrong is because the kids I'm running with do so and so and so and so. And if I could only find a different group, everything would be fine. As long as we do that, we'll never get turned around. Because the problem when we're following foolishness, when we're following the wrong, is because we have the wrong priorities. You see, the reason I get involved in sexual immorality is because I worship sex instead of worshiping God. And it's my fault. Won't be anybody else's fault. It's my fault. And all of you need to start to realize that. Your heart determines where you go. And what this father is doing is saying, son, daughter, I want you to have the right heart value. I want you to love what is right. I want you to fall in love with wisdom. That's what we did when I talked to you about the skillful woman. I try to pick, paint a picture, men and ladies. I try to paint a picture of the kind of skillful woman that the father and mother wants their child to fall in love with. And it talks to you about the values. It talks to you about the characteristics. And it talks about what will really last. Now, a lot of you, you know, when we're young men, we can say what will really last if she looks just like Anne Margaret in her prime, if she has a personality, you know, just like you name it, just fill in the blank. The girls say, man, if he only looks like someone like that, you know, that's really what I want. And the hardest thing to get across to you is you might wake up when you're 30 years old married to a guy and found out he's a bum. And that's a hard thing. Because every one of you know deep in your heart that physical appearance and just sexual attraction isn't the ultimate core of human existence. And that's what Proverbs is talking about. It says, listen, young people and mom and dad, we need to fall in love, not with money or sex. We need to fall in love with wisdom. We need to have a passion to become wise. We need to have a passion to grab a hold of wisdom. And the book of Proverbs pictures wisdom, young men, as a beautiful woman, as a very godly, beautiful woman who Proverbs wants you to marry. 
wants you to devote yourself to her. And he really wants you to make that the value system of your life. What's your goal? I think we need to end right here. We need to ask ourselves, where is our heart? Have we acquired wisdom? It says in verse 7, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she'll exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. The Father is saying to us, where is your heart? Because the first ingredient to heart health, internal heart health, is your value. What's the supreme value of your life? What are you really living for? Mom and Dad, have you nailed it down? Have I nailed it down? What am I living for today? What's the value structure of our home? Young people, have you gotten alone and decided, what's going to be the preeminent value? What do I really want? It makes a difference. If I want to make money, then I make certain choices. If I want to have relationship just with a beautiful sex object, then it makes certain choices in my life. If I want wisdom, if I want to become skillful in making moral choices, then it's going to influence what I read, what I look at, what I do, the way that I live. And that inner value structure, the big thing I want you to really develop in your life today, every one of you have got a core. Every one of you have a heart. And your heart, that core of your existence, is determining where you're going. I want to end with this. The truth of the matter is, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The truth of the matter is that every one of us have heart trouble until we meet the ultimate heart surgeon. Romans 10 says this, if you will believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead, if you'll confess with your mouth, you can receive eternal life. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be given the gift of eternal life. See, the marvelous truth of the gospel is this. Not that you've got to need, you need to try to develop good heart health through your own strength, through your own self-effort, through your own determination. Instead, you can come before Jesus honestly, anytime, any place. But it needs to happen at some point in your life where you come to Jesus and admit, hey, I've got a heart trouble. I've got the wrong desires. I've got the wrong values. There's a part of me that is very, very deceitful. It tells monstrous lies, even to me. And Jesus, you're the only one that can forgive that deceitful heart. And you're the only one that can give me a new heart. Young people, it's possible the reason you're really not that interested in spiritual things is because you haven't received a new heart. Dad, it's possible the reason it's agony to really open up the Word of God and listen to God's voice is that you've never come to know God as your Father because you've never really been born into His family by believing in Christ personally. Mom, maybe that's your problem. You see, if we don't have a heart, it's possible... If we don't have a heart for God, it's possible we've never come to know God in a personal way. Now, that's not joining a church. It's not doing some ultimate spiritual act that you kind of conjure up. It's not like the convergence thing. It's much more real. In fact, it's not the occult at all, which is what all that's about. 
This is real spiritual reality. Jesus Christ is alive today. And he wants to give you a new heart if you haven't received it, a new core to your personality. You say, Dave, how do I do that? Just deep in your heart, you say, Lord Jesus, I admit that i got a deceitful heart. You're honest for once. And you don't have to use any special words and no special formula. Jesus can understand the thoughts of your heart very easily. You can speak in any language you want. Just say, Jesus, my heart is deceitful. I realize that you died on the cross so that my sins, my deceitful heart, which is the source of all this sin, could be forgiven. And I also learn in your word that you rose again from the dead. And because you're alive, because you rose again from the dead, you're alive. Therefore, if you're alive, if I ask you to come into my life, to give me a new core to my being, to create in me a clean heart, then you can do it. Some of you that have messed things up, I don't want you to go on a guilt trip. Because Christ has forgiven you if you've asked him to forgive you. But I want to motivate you now that you've been forgiven to go on and live this skillful life. But as a pastor teacher, I also have a strong obligation to some little kids that haven't grown up yet. They haven't made a lot of mistakes yet. And they don't have to get all messed up in sin. They really don't have to. They can live wisely from the beginning. And that's what we need to all be praying about as we close today. The Spirit of God needs to move mightily among our families so that he can protect us from evil and give us the wisdom to have a heart that will beat after skillful living.